Where do you go for comics new and old? Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDAIR at checkout to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? Wizard World Comic Con. Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. Hey, this is me, Ron, Aquatine Hunger Force, and you're listening to the Thunder Podcast, which means you must own you an iPod. Ooh la la, ain't you fancy? I used to have a nano shuffle until it all stuck in my meat and then got covered in that German mustard dipping sauce I got inside of me, and now it don't work no more. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Boy, we've got one hell of a fun show for you today. Later in the episode, we're going to be welcoming the co-creator of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and Squid Billies, Mr. Dave Willis is joining us. And man, that was just a thrill to talk with him. Yeah, right? it was awesome. Yeah, hell of a nice guy. And uh, love everything that guy has created. Some good stuff. It's good stuff. And if you guys like it, you're going to enjoy this interview. I yeah. promise you will. Funny as hell. I will say, though, during recording, something happens where me and Randy's voice have some kind of an echo on them. <laughs> His voice is fine, though. So I'm going to yeah. do what I can in editing to clean that up to make it as listenable as possible. But um, check it out nonetheless. Some good stuff in there. Good stuff in there. But before we get to that interview, we're going to be uh, talking about our favorite talking animals from throughout pop culture, kind of inspired by the talking squids. Absolutely. You know, created by Dave. I, I'm guessing that was what you yeah. were thinking of, right? Yep. So, yeah, we have a lot of good stuff here for you today. But before we do all of that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to throw a little cheddar our way to help us keep the lights on around this bitch, <laughs> go over to Patreon.com forward slash CandairPod, or you can follow the link on our website at CandairPodcast.com, where you can, uh, for $5 a month, get access to our Patreon-only show. We once a month post an episode over there. It's uh, a little bit different than what we do here. We try to mix form. it up, and we definitely give control of those episodes to you guys, uh, to the patrons. So if you want total power, that's where you get it. $5 a month gets you total power over the pod. And you know what? There might not just be episodes anymore. We might be doing some other stuff, too, that'll definitely be worth your time. we got some ideas coming down yeah. the pike, don't we? We sure do. Baited hooks. Yes, Baited sir. hooks, Randy. But uh, what else am I forgetting? If you're going to a Wizard World Con, do not forget at checkout to use Candare in the promo box to get 10% off your ticket prices. And we all know how expensive cons are, right? Yeah, absolutely. They are very expensive. So uh, any little bit helps. Use that 10%. Buy yourself something nice. Buy yourself something pretty. It might be a, a small pretty, but buy yourself a small pretty. Get you some memories for the next time. Right? Why not? Why not? What do you have, Randy? However you're uh, getting your canned air fix, whether it's Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, a word of mouth from a ghost hunting Great Dane, uh, tell your friends if you have the uh, option to rate us, uh, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And uh, you may hear it right at the end of the episode. Uh, That's good incentive, I think. Some people like to hear their names read. Yes, sir. We will read them, people. (laughs) All you have to do is leave that review. Even if it's... Uh, don't leave a bad one. I mean, if you feel we totally earned a bad one, then give a bad one. But Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Do it. Do it. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. Oh, my God. It feels pretty. Grab. Taste bad. Yeah. 
All right, favorite talking animals. Randy, since you picked this category, I'm going to let you kick her off. All right, man. Well, uh, <clears throat> since I alluded to it in the uh, my little cut there for the uh, Apple podcast. Um, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Yes, sir. Yep. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I mean, technically, we could say most of Hanna-Barbera cartoons, but... I've got Yogi Bear on my list. Fair enough. Is, Droopy, right. is Droopy considered Hanna-Barbera? I don't think he I is. I think he was Tex Avery, wasn't he? I think you're right. I think he was. But uh, Scooby-Doo, yeah. I uh, grew up with Scooby-Doo. Um, a lot of really fond memories. Um, uh, the ones that really stick out in my mind... Um, there was uh, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo with uh, Vincent Price as one of the characters. Oh, really? Me being a horror fan, just hearing his voice, I mean, that always got me pumped. Um, and then there was a couple episodes where Scooby teamed up with Batman and Robin. Like back in the day or newer things? No, back in the day. I know. I think they did a newer one. but They have done newer. Man, they've done everything yeah. teams up with <laughs> fucking Scooby-Doo. The WWE and oh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Kiss and Scooby-Doo. Right. Of course, what hasn't Kiss been on? Yeah, no, this is the old school Batman and Robin. We're uh, based on the um, Burgess Meredith and uh, Caesar yeah. uh, Joker. Yeah, yeah, Joker and Penguin. So, yeah, no, those were... Uh, Good episodes. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch some of that old Scooby-Doo. It's been a long time. I Sometimes, uh, well, back when we had cable, you'd be channel surfing and see Scooby-Doo, and you want to yeah. stop, but then it'd be something newer. It just doesn't have the same feel that those old uh, episodes have. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally get it. But uh, good stuff. Yeah. Good it's... stuff, nonetheless. Nonetheless. Uh, I, yeah, I had a Scooby on my list as well. Um, <laughs> how about Caesar uh, from the new Planet of the Apes films? Like okay, okay. That, he, I guess in the first one, he only spoke a word, like at the end, like, mm-hmm. a, like a small sentence. Right. And, but how impactful it was when he did. Oh, yeah. You know, the in, in, you know insinuation. Of course, we all know what happens, but <laughs> being in a prequel. But um, what a great character. And Andy Serkis is just time and time again proved himself one hell of a fucking actor. He's got some amazing talent. It's off the charts talent, man. Yeah. Like, he is so good. And, you know, you think that him being behind all of these different CG characters and, um, you know, even when he's not CG, even when he's, you know, out, you know, with his own face. Right. All of these characters have their own identities. There, There's no bleed over between them. Right. You know, they, mean, they are so unique. They are right. so good. And he brought something to that character that... I just, I guess I wasn't expecting. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the original Planet of the Apes, like the Charlton Heston ones. Right. I tried to watch them, and I was just kind of like, uh, you know. Snooze fast. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe if I sat down in a different frame of mind, maybe That's if fair, I sat yeah. down and gave it a little bit longer, but I just wasn't being bought over. But these were so freaking good. Right. So good. Yep. Go ahead. I was going to say, we're not going to mention the Mark Wahlberg remake, right? I was going to mention that, actually. Um, just to, you know, I thought that watching that one, like, okay, this is a more modernized version right. of Planet of the Apes than the old one. It looks more like what, uh, you know, what it was it? Rise, War, and what were the three titles? Oh, crap. Dawn, Rise, and yep. War. Excuse me. Um, I thought it would strike that same vein, and it didn't. Yeah, I, I was able to watch the whole thing. I could say that more so over the other one, but yeah, right. yeah, I felt like it was maybe probably taking a little too many liberties. Was it? If was it more self-contained? Am I remembering that right? Like it wasn't. I feel like they just remember like some. And again, I don't even know why I'm saying that. I've never watched the original like all the way through in one sitting, so maybe it was in there and I don't remember it. But I. Just remember some big spaceship like like crashed on like maybe it was his ship crashed on the beach that he's trying to get started and take off with it. Okay, yeah, that did that happen in the original? Did you see the original? <sighs> it's been so long, and I like you, I've seen bits and pieces mm. of it. Maybe we should move on from Planet of the Apes. I feel like we're there are Planet of the Apes fans <laughs> out there clawing their ears <laughs> off their head right now. Like <laughs> you're getting it wrong. Yeah, they're gonna be outside the studio with pitchforks and torches later on. Mm, well. If we've earned it, we've earned it, right? <laughs> what you got, Randy? Uh, so, um, did you ever see Fern Gully? I saw Fern Gully in the theaters, my friend. All yeah. right, Batty from Fern Gully. That that was Tim Curry, right? No, Tim Curry was the villain. Uh, Batty was Robin Williams. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and uh, that was actually his first animation role. Really? Yep. Yep. Um, originally, it was supposed to be, have been like a. Fern. I know, right? 
Dude, I don't think I have seen it since the movie theater. It's it's. I gotta look up when that came out. That was early '90s, I think. The best years there ever were. The <laughs> early '90s, if you ask old Jeremy here. Uh, in my mind, Tim Curry and Robin Williams made that movie. Um, that baddie character that uh, Mr. Williams. He did. was like a big fruit bat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With like an antenna on the side of his head, yeah. and he kept flicking it. Originally, that was supposed to have been just like a bit part. Um, I think I read that they were was only supposed to be like maybe eight to ten minutes of dialogue. Um, Robin Williams came in and recorded 14 hours of improv to use. So they like tripled the screen time on that character. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, that just you would have to like, how could you not? I know. I, I mean, once you Robin Williams audio gold, yeah. use it. Yeah, I want to know where those other hours are. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, man. That's that is a good question. Who even produced that? Because that wasn't Disney. It says here it was uh, ninety two. Okay. So boy, was I ever right. Yeah. Ninety two and ninety three. Man, that was good. Best years, years ever, <laughs> ever. But a good choice. Yeah, I, I I honestly think the last time I saw that was in the movie theater. Supposedly, there's one or two sequels that I never saw, but I I don't know that. Like straight to video. Yeah. 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 Well, that in itself is a good indication you should maybe steer (laughs) away. Although, and this still plays on the talking animal uh, theme we have going here. Did you ever see uh, Aladdin Return of Jafar? Jafar. I was just thinking that. Iago. Iago. Him switching. uh, He became a good guy in that film. Yeah. That was a good film. You know, all three Aladdin uh, movies weren't too bad. I never saw the third. The third, um, so uh, back to Robin Williams, um, he wasn't in the second one. Somebody else did the voice of the genie, but he, Robin Williams returned for the third movie. Really? Um, it was, it was like Aladdin and it had something to do with like the hand of Midas and Aladdin's dad came back and I don't know. It was like, that does sound familiar actually, but I remember there being a, uh, Disney cartoon. Yeah. Aladdin. Yeah. Uh, I actually was just watching it a few weeks ago. Were you? Okay. On the uh, streaming. I was, I, and it had been years, but that was a fun little show. Yeah, it was. Didn't Disney, Disney had a lot of really good cartoons. Oh, Disney the owned the after school yeah. market. Yeah, they son. did. They did. They so did. <laughs> I mean, look at the shelves behind me. Yeah. There's a whole Disney afternoon shelf up yeah. there because it was so freaking awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember uh, specifically Jason Alexander being uh, George from uh, Seinfeld. Okay, he was yeah, yeah. Uh, the voice of one of the vi- uh, reoccurring villains in that series. The guy, the he was a short little uh, yeah, fat tubby guy, guy with yeah. the yeah yeah yeah. Okay. yeah. I can't remember what his name was, but um, he man. was like Jafar's lackey in that movie, right? Kind of. He started. Like, he was the lamp. No, he was Jafar's lackey in like the second film. Yeah, that's why I'm sorry. And then when it the cartoon started, they made it like the cartoon was picking up right after that film, okay. I think. And yeah. he was disgruntled and went off on his own. Okay, that makes sense. Started doing his own thing, but. Man, a lot of stuff I haven't thought about in a long time. <laughs> I guess that's the point of the retro roundtable, yep. isn't it? <laughs> wow. All right. Who's that? Was you or that was me? That was you. Yeah. Yeah. It was me. All right. Uh, how about Rocket Raccoon? Absolutely. Now you know this has been a character. It's obviously been around for years, and you know this is going to sound horrible coming from an asshole sitting behind a mic that claims to be on a comics podcast, but. I wasn't. I I had heard of the Garden Guardians. I'd right. heard of Rocket. That was it. I I had very little interest because, at the time, I I don't know. Like going out on a limb sometimes for me with your imagination. I don't know. Just a little talking raccoon standing next to Captain America and shit. I was like, what? <laughs> like, what are they thinking? But uh, they totally won me over. Those movies were so good. And then, in turn, that made me start wanting to look into the comics. And I'm glad I did, because what a great uh, little character Rocket is. I love that character. And, um, you know, what's funny about that is I always, always, always forget that Bradley Cooper does his voice. Right. And I guess it's just maybe another good example of great uh, VO work, you know, when you've removed yourself from the character. Right. Totally. But um, it's its own ent- entity at that point. I can't tell you how many times, like, I've seen, like, the front of an Entertainment Weekly or something, like, where they'll have the cast out there and I'll see Bradley Cooper with him. Like, wait, what the fuck? Why is he the. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rocket. You know, <laughs> like, how quickly I come down from that. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, Guardians was a good experience. Such a good experience. I hope they do that third one. Yeah. I hope they do. I didn't see it in that lineup of uh, the next like five years. How can they? Can't, how can't they? I, mean, uh, I don't know. They got to fill the Spider-Man gap how, somehow. Uh, 
<laughs> well, it, it seems like those movies are still going to come just through Sony. So right. I bet you anything they're going to try to now bleed their fucking Tom Hardy Venom into these Spider-Mans. I'm kind of excited about that, though. Uh, the writing is going to take one hell of a hit, man. Well, the writing, you're, you're in it for a visual thrill. Right, the right. writing will not be up to par. Well... Crazier things have happened. Far from home was sub- you, you are not yeah. going to beat that. You're yeah. not going to beat it. Yeah. Venom or no, I'm sorry. Venom looked amazing. There were some pretty awesome fight scenes and right. morphing scenes. There were also some pretty bad special effects, but the writing was dog shit, man. Right. And I'm sorry to anyone who loves the film. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but God damn, it was all over the place. Yeah. All over the place. That's been my Marvel tangent minute. <laughs> Randy, we're back to you. All right. Um, so uh, I grew up with a lot of Don Bluth films. Don uh, Bluth. Why do I know that? So he was a Disney animator that kind of went off and did his own thing. Okay. Um, he did a series, among others, called An American Tale. Oh, Fightful. Uh, yep. Yeah, so I remember those growing Fightful up. Goes West was like my absolute jam growing up. Um Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Um, yeah, it was, uh, so basically it's the concept of like this little Russian mouse family in the first film, which the first film was directed by Spielberg and he had a lot more to do with. 91. There you go. Early right. 90s producing again. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but um, the second one had a different director. I think Spielberg kind of walked away or something. I, I'm not sure how that worked, but uh it had a different feel to it, more of like a cartoony feel. Um, it had Dom DeLuise as the cat. Uh, James Stewart <laughs> was in there. Um, John Cleese was the bad guy, the bad cat. One more time, the title? Uh, Five Will Goes West. So it was the second movie. That was... Oh, it was the second one. Yes, okay. Yes. Um, that's the one I never saw then. I was, oh, dude, it was the first missing one. out. I'd never seen it. It's set in the Wild West. They moved from New York to the Wild West, and it's just, it's, it's awesome. Um, there's some scenes in there where th- there's a sheriff dog who play uh, Jim James Stewart plays, mm-hmm. and he has to train Tiger to basically be this badass cowboy. And it's just it's it's awesome. My friend uh, and I used to watch it all the time. Hmm. So I've got it on DVD. I definitely remember it. I definitely remember it. Yeah, I'll let you borrow it. <laughs> yeah, you might need to bring that first one too because I don't remember much about it either. I think it's a combo pack, so I got you covered, man. Here's another talking animal for you. We're right in the same wheelhouse. I only have this on my list. It just popped into my head sitting here talking. Do you remember a film called Rockadoodle? Yes, sir, I do. Do you? Yes, I do. Last time I saw that was in the movie theater. <laughs> but. Um, it's funny how something like that can exist and kind of just blip off of pop culture's radar. Because yeah. I, f- I have found people who remember it. Yeah, I remember that vividly, But actually. as far as nostalgia goes, you don't see anything Rockadoodle ever, man. No. I ever. Mean, it seems like a lot of the Don Blue stuff. Um, was that him, too? I believe it was. Was it? I mean, double check me on that. But I think he did that. I think he did um, Land Before t- I'm possibly. Oh man, another classic that got um, just like a sole amount of sequels. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, uh, Pebble and the Penguin, and he may have done Secret of Nim. I'm probably wrong on a couple of those, but yeah, it was just those were some really good movies. I'm looking up to see if he did that Rockadoodle because that was the one with the the rockabilly rooster and the creepy ass owls. What did you say his name was one more time? Don Bluth. Produced by Sullivan Bluth Studios, so it's probably him and someone else by the last name Sullivan, okay. right? I would imagine that I, the studio potentially. Yeah, yeah, that it was him. Man, just looking at this picture here, it was the Elvis impersonating rooster. It was, which yeah. was an odd choice. Who also kind of wore somewhat of like evil Knievel outfit, but like the movie. Remember, the movie started in real life. Yeah, and the kid and transformed the kid into the cat, transformed into a yep. cartoon kitten yep. for some reason. Yep. Yeah, it was it was out there. Yeah, a little bit. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, dude, you're completely cool. It's the same vein. Um, Yeah, so I would encourage anybody that's never seen a Don Bluth movie to check out any one of those. I mean, it. I would say it's on par with Disney stuff. I I would with what I've seen, I would agree. It obviously hasn't. uh, (laughs) It's it's not sitting in a vault somewhere, Bluth vault, like (laughs) you know, but. Hey, we we still remember it. We still remember it fondly, right? Yep. 
Um, how about Ren and Stimpy? Oh, the God, Chihuahua yes. and the Cat, man. Uh, these two guys, when they hit the scene, I loved them. Jack never did. Jack always hated them. Every time you bring him up, them. he kind of cringes. But <laughs> yeah, I, I dug them. It was a new kind of humor. Yeah, it, it was a lot more vile than what I was used to at the time. It wasn't even like toilet humor. I mean, toilet humor existed for sure, but it wasn't even quite that. It was a touch of toilet humor, but just... I don't know, in like just everything turned to eleven. Like yeah. the screaming was off the fucking show. Anything right. they did was extreme. Like yeah. close ups on the face, like and all the little like, hairs yeah, and pores yeah. and stuff, like grotesque almost. Yeah. But you know, if you look at SpongeBob, I think SpongeBob really took a lot from Ren and Stimpy. I, I can see that. Watered down a lot more, but Oh, of course. <laughs> Not content wise, but um just style, animation. Yeah, that's what I mean, like the, stuff like that, you know. Didn't what I mean? push the envelope as much, maybe. I mean, it was obviously aiming not for preteens and young adults. <laughs> right, it was aiming right. for that young audience. But um, yeah, there's a lot of things I see in SpongeBob where I think Ren and Stimpy. You know, I, I think we need to splice the Happy Happy Joy Joy song in here. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. As much as I loved Ren and Stimpy, I hated that song. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, boys and girls. This is your old pal Stinky Whizzleteats. This is a song about a whale. No. This is a song about being happy. That's right. It's the happy, happy, joy, joy song. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 Happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. Go ahead, though. What do you got next? Uh, my next one, uh, Heathcliff, the cartoon. Heathcliff, Heathcliff, no one should terrorize yes. his neighborhood. I love that show. Yeah, I used yeah. to watch that all the time. Uh, voiced by Mel Blanc, um, who the almighty the God, Mel Blanc yeah. Um, also, uh, Peter Cullen uh, voiced Heathcliff's dad in that. So you got, Did he really? Yeah, yeah. Was he a recurring character? I think it was dad? just kind of every couple or <clears throat> an episode here or there. I don't think it was like every episode. Wow. Um, I did not uh, I did not realize that Heathcliff was uh, voiced by Mel Blanc. Yeah, and that's actually why it only lasted two seasons. Because he um, passed. Correct. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was... They stopped it because his health was failing. I don't think he like passed like, mid-production. Like during it or something, yeah. right? Yeah. He's incredible, I man. If you get on YouTube and like watch him like on David Letterman, like mm-hmm. do that shit live, it's incredible to watch. I don't know if it was him. I was listening to a. I listened to a lot of podcasts with a lot of different voiceover <laughs> people getting talked to. I got a thing for the field, I guess. Right. But somebody was saying, I don't know if it was Mel Blanc or someone he was associated with, was able with their voice to do four ducks singing at the same time in different like octaves. Oh, that's crazy. That's insane. That is that's insane. That's like nearly impossible. Like, how could you? But yeah, that's insane. I heard uh, Hank Azaria, who does a lot of voice work on The Simpsons. I mean, he's just as amazing. Yeah. Um, talking about how Mel Blanc was able to take, um, in a couple Looney Tunes episodes, do like Daffy impersonating Bugs and then Bugs impersonating Daffy and not mix them. Like, it literally wow. sounded... And he, uh, Hank Azaria was just saying how like almost impossible that is for yeah you know voice actors to do. It would be hard to be a character imitating another character and not have them like just merge. Or, yeah, like, sound the same. That's incredible, man. I would love to hear that. All right, who else we got here? Uh, how about you remember? Uh, I'm gonna have to pull look up this one too because <laughs> this has to be another early '90s. It has to be. It has to be Homeward Bound. Oh yes. Remember that film? Yeah, my son's obsessed with that. Actually, the first and second one. Um, there was a second one. There was '93. Um, there you son go, of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the '90s. Oh um, man, yeah, that was one that we had uh, on VHS when we were kids, and it got quite a few watches. Yeah, so. yeah, that was. Uh, that was good with, let's see, it was Shadow, Chance, and Sassy, right? That's correct. Um, we got a little Sassy in this room right here, actually, yeah, now that I think about it. The exact, exact same cat, right? Yep. yep. Persian, or not Persian, um, Himalayan. Yeah. Yep. Persian Himalayan, I thought they were called. Oh, or, or, I don't know. I don't know shit about it. But <laughs> Yeah, if you're ever wondering what, what the cat looks like that sometimes fucks up our recordings <laughs> or is making noise in the background, it looks like Sassy from yeah. Homeward Bound. Yeah. But, um, you know, that was based on a true story. 
No, I did not know that. That these animals had been uh, left or escaped on vacation, found their way home. I don't I mean, I'm sure it wasn't an exact... <laughs> Because it was based on a, there was a book about it too, right? I thought it was a true story. So oh, at some I, point, I could be, I could totally be wrong. wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe it was just based on a book. Huh, a minute here. To the internet. Well, you're looking that up. Yeah, there was there was a sequel. No, it's it's worth watching. Um, basically, they get lost in San Francisco. Um, but uh, Chance finds a love interest, and it's it's good. Here it is. Um, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey is actually a remake of another movie in 1963 called The Incredible Journey. Okay. The uh, original movie is based off a book by the same name, which is based off a true story of pets finding their way home in the Canadian wilderness. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy to think about uh, an animal being to find their way like that, but it, it definitely happens. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I know my dad, uh, one of my dad's friends, they had moved. Okay. They had lived in town, and they moved way out in the country, out of mm-hmm. town, and had been there a while, and their cat came up missing. Okay. And I can't remember if they, like, rented that old house, or maybe they just had kept in touch with a neighbor, but their old neighbor called them and said, hey, your cat's here. The cat had left that house and found its way all the way back to the old house. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it's incredible. And... uh I've seen that movie so many times, I don't think I'll ever need to see it again. I remember Michael J. Fox, though. Was my, uh, he did voiced Chance, Chance yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I want to say Sally Fields did Sassy. She had to. I can hear it in my head right now. Yep, that's, that is her. Who did Shadow? I don't know, but he was old and yeah. crap and Peter. <laughs> he always sounded like that. Yeah, I mean, those were... I always wondered like how they got the animals to... I guess they were just really well trained to like go through all those motions and stuff like that. Ooh, well, do you remember a little movie called Milo and Otis? Yeah, I figured that was coming up. Yeah. The, uh, Did you learn that through listening to this show? Originally, no, or? I knew about it before. I didn't know about it before it was brought before this table here, and um, the many Milo and Otises that were holy shit! Like what making. a horrific! It's it's horrible to know that as a small child, I sat and watched and wonder and loved it. And would tell my friends about it and to find out it has such a dark, you know, yeah. so many animals died and were hurt purposely to, for the production of that film. Yeah. It's horrid. Yeah. Horrid. It really is. Do not watch Milo and Otis. Boycott that <laughs> shit. I mean, it's a little late now, but oh, yeah. Yeah, it's still never late to make your point when it comes to animal cruelty, right? Yeah. When you see that in the $5 bin, just walk away. <laughs> Don't touch that shit. <laughs> but uh, Homeward Bound, definitely pick up yeah touched out yeah that one was good <laughs> all right what else we got randy uh so kind of circling back to hanna barbera uh you remember a little show called hong kong fooey <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do oh that, I do. that was awesome um scatman carruthers who was actually jazz from uh, the transformers series did the voice of Go ahead. Hong, uh, hong kong fooey wasn't is he hanna barbera I don't know if he is. I always assumed him, but now that we're sitting here talking about it, I don't think he was. Maybe not. I could be wrong. Let me look that up. Boy, um, we're really taking to the internet a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Damn Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys will get that later. Yeah, um, you will. So for people who haven't seen it, um, Hong Kong Fui basically was a, a dog janitor um, with a cat sidekick that would turn into a martial martial arts expert a la like Superman changing in a phone booth he changed in like a filing cabinet or something <laughs> um, and would end up um, you know trying to fight crime but he was always looking at how to books on Kung Fu so he was like learning how he went he was definitely Hanna-Barbera. Okay, all right. Um, which is surprising because I don't know, you know, we here, we're here in Columbus, Ohio, and mm-hmm. we're not far from Kings Island. Correct. Which you just recently attended. Correct. Can you tell me, because um, I'm ever so curious to know what cartoon property they have their hands on. It's it? Peanuts. Uh, peanuts. Peanuts. How yep. fucking drab. I love the Peanuts, but goddamn, not yeah. at a theme park. No, no. <laughs> Charlie Brown and roller coasters don't match. To be fair, it's just the kids part is... Peanuts. Everything else is all the same. Yeah. Were you a kid thinking, "Oh, I hope this is Charlie Brown theme"? No, I was a kid going there like that is freaking Scooby Doo. When you and I were kids, we were thinking Charlie Brown is old as shit. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine it now. All right, right. <laughs> but uh, don't get me wrong, I love Charlie Brown, but boy, the amusement park is not a place for him. If right. you ask me. But anyway, when we were kids, Hanna Barbera had to hold down 
on uh, all things Kings Island, which is just a low key, like a Disney, just an amusement park, yeah, like yeah, a Six yeah. Flags or something right. for people who aren't aware of what Kings Island is. But um, back in the day, you know, when Hanna Barbera was everywhere, like I grew up on the Smurfs, dude. Yes. The Smurfs were everything. Absolutely. And I remember, like, every time we go to Kings Island, I got to get little Smurf figurines mm-hmm. and I loved them. Not to mention the Smurf ride they used to have. Right. And, uh, but, you know, Flintstones were there, um, Scoo- Huckleberry Hound, Scooby-Doo, Doo. the Smurfs. Right. As many as you can think of. But I do not remember anything Hong Kong Fooly. Do no, you? I don't. Well, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, maybe he just wasn't as popular of a I would have thought or... him popular enough. Huckleberry Hound? Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, did they have Grape Ape? Did they have... I don't remember seeing Grape Ape, No. Yeah, it was, I don't remember seeing but Quick still, Draw McGraw. I mean, I, but Hong Kong fan. I know. I mean, he's I higher than those two. Names. I know. I know. <sighs> oh well. <laughs> but anyway, yes, the was, fucking peanuts now. So what's it matter? Yeah, <laughs> it was a great cartoon. Um, there was also a failed uh, live action reboot. Did you hear about that? Live action. Live action of Hong Kong Fu. So you remember the the shitty Scooby Doo movie? Yeah, they tried doing that with Hong Kong Fu. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. There was test footage leaked, but um, did Scooby Doo resonate well enough for that to? I don't know what the time frame was, but they had a pretty big name actor attached to the voice Hong Kong Fui. They had Eddie Murphy as wow, Hong Kong really? Fui. Yeah. If you watch the test footage, I mean, it's like three minutes of Eddie Murphy being Hong Kong Fui. Like that would have been awesome. It's a little rough, but I is it? I, I would have watched it. I mean, it's it looks a little bit better put together than Scooby Doo, but gotta love Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I and mean, he he makes everything better. <laughs> gotta love part. Eddie Murphy. Sorry, what were you gonna say before? Uh, I don't. Rem- I think I said everything. Live action Scooby Doo. No. Oh, did the live action Scooby Doo uh, do well enough? To even warrant such wonder about Hong Kong Fooey, I don't feel like it was like maybe it was a smash hit. I don't remember. I remember seeing the first one and I didn't think it was that bad. Well, I mean, just because but, a movie does right, just worthy enough of thinking, okay, let's start rushing Hannah because they did it with Yogi Bear too, right. they did it with Ro- uh, Rocky Bullwinkle. Yeah, that was live, they did a live action, it was recent. Yeah, I but think. was that Hannah Barbera? Um, no, I don't think, I think that was I don't think else. Rocky and Bullwinkle are. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Yogi Bear, we gotta mention Yogi! <laughs> Loved him, he was yes. fun. Um, I remember he, they played him on syndication on, like, uh, during the week after school on Nickelodeon. Uh-huh. I watched a lot of Yogi Bear. Yeah. Hey, boo-boo, hey, boo-boo, I get up, pick a nigga basket! Yeah, that was, uh... That was a good show. I feel like they tried to bring that back, too. They did bring that back in some form. I think they did a live action on that They one. did, but I thought there was another cartoon, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. It's hard to say. There's so many fucking reboots <laughs> in and about that it's hard to keep straight. Yeah. But, all right. Do you have anything else on your list there? I just had a quick little one, if we got some few more minutes. Um, so in doing all this research, I was just curious, like, where did this all start? When did people think, hey, talking animals were a thing? Probably Satan in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> well, in cinema, at least. Um, I'm so kidding. I did a little digging, and I found something called the Dogville Chronicles, which was released in it by MGM in the early 20s. And basically what it was is it was just dogs doing scenes, like there was a mobster scene, stuff like that, where the dogs were the characters, and they would um, kind of spoof kind of the, the actors of the time. So you'd have... You know, the the gangster characters of that era, but it would be like a pit bull or it'd be like a chihuahua or something like that. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of it on YouTube. I'm, it might be open source at this point. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I watched a few I'm about of to look into night. that. It, some of them are pretty good. Infatuation with dogs is a funny thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's just been happening for years. Like, yeah. I wonder if the dogs playing poker might have been around that same time. Like the, the painting, of, yeah, I wonder I, if it may have been inspired by somehow. I, I didn't see anything about that. I thought the same thing when I... F- Did you? But I, I can't confirm or deny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something about a talking dog, isn't yeah. it, Randy? Yes, sir. That's a good note to end the retro on, I think. And uh, with that, you know what we haven't done in a while? The Society6 commercial. Yes. At Society6... 
facebook.com forward slash Pod, or if you just follow the link on our website you can get merch if you want such a thing yeah I mean rock your Candare stuff yeah man. come on rock the fuck out of it yeah rock the hell out Please. of it Please. <laughs> this is kind of a lackluster commercial but you know we, we got t-shirts we got koozies we've got decals if you like our show if you've been thinking man I'd love to rep them somehow that's how you do it. Yes, sir. That's how you do it. And we're also going to be, uh, we, we were just talking before this show, we did a few cons this past summer. Yep. We're heading into the fall months, and typically fall, winter means canned air is like a fucking bear, and we hibernate. Yep. And we get ready for the next year. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to be, I think, hitting that con scene pretty hard next year. And uh, the re- only reason I bring that up is because uh, the last time we were at a convention, you know, we, I don't, the people who have seen our cover art might have seen our little can we yep. have. Um. We have a few little cans we made up just as props for the table. People yeah. wanted them. Yeah. People wanted them. People wanted to buy them. And I was like, oh, 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 I was caught, you know, unprepared. Right. So <laughs> we will be prepared next time. Yes. And there might be some that have special features than just a paperweight. But That would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. We'll, we'll talk more on that. But until then, society6.com forward slash Pod Get your tasty merch. And now joining us on the show, the co-creator of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and Squidbillies, which just had season 12 premiere August 11th. We welcome Dave Willis to the show. Dave, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what was it that drew you to animation? Uh, I was always a, um, I mean, I, you know, I grew up loving cartoons and, um, you know, I, I used to, my dad, uh, coach soccer and initially to get me to go to the soccer games he had a, a tiny black and white tv hooked up to the, the cigarette lighter in his car so i could wow. watch cartoons on the way to the soccer game <laughs> you know and i drew uh, i drew cartoons for for my high school and my college paper and i was it was just something i, I never really thought i'd be an animator and i'm not i'm not an animator but but looking back on my life it makes a lot of sense that I, uh, that, that I went down this road, but it, it, but it sure helped that Cartoon Network was in my hometown too. So. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. And it was a uh, Cartoon Planet when you got involved, correct? Or was it, has it always been Cartoon Network? Uh, the show was called Cartoon Planet. Uh, I see. It, it was always Cartoon Network. Um, Andy Merrill, who was the voice of Brack and was one of the one of the guys who created uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast on Cartoon Network was doing sort of a daytime spinoff featuring uh, Space Ghost and Zorak and Brack and he needed to hire a PA and fortunately for me I had just worked on an ad for some some crazy CD-ROM featuring Yogi Bear. <laughs> oh wow. I was loading C stands into the back of the truck, and uh, I talked to the producer, who was a, a producer in On Air and Cartoon Network. She hooked me up with uh, <clears throat> Matt Thompson and Adam Reed, who then went on to make C Lab and eventually Archer. Uh, who, and those guys were working in On Air at Cartoon Network, and they were like, well, "We don't need anybody, but we know Andy, and he does." And I got my writing sample to Andy, and he hired me. It was great. Fantastic. Now, was this the uh, crayon writing sample you're referring to? Oh, wow, man! You've been all over Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah, I did a. It was it's kind of silly, uh, but I had one of my sister's students uh, uh, copy a letter of recommendation on my behalf and do it in a crayon, and it was like, "My name is Donald. I'm eight." Uh, <laughs> David Willis exhibits uh, professionalism, which I find profound in this day and age, you know, and just, it just goes on from there. And then he, here is a picture of a car, Donald. And, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, I think that got me, the, that probably got me the gig, but it didn't hurt that I had done a ton of, a ton of, uh, work as a BA before that. So that's awesome. Still though, it's a way to make a hell of an impression. Right. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you gotta get in, man. Yeah, right. We've got to figure a way in. And then uh, when you got in again, you I guess you already said you were working on uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. What an awesome show this was. And I even heard rumor that it could possibly be coming back in some form. Is that right? Do you know anything about that? Uh, I don't. I don't. But the cool thing about cartoons is that they 
they never seem to die. Um, you know, you can always uh, reboot them and rebuild them. Uh, but of course, you know, Clay Croker was uh, such a huge part of it as the voice of Voltar and Zorak, and he was, uh, you know, our main animator as well. So, uh, you know, if that show were to ever come back, and I haven't heard that anyway, so, you know, if you know something, it's more than I know, but... Um, well, you but know how it, Wikipedia yeah. can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wikipedia is very reliable, um, but it it, uh, it would have to be reconfigured in a way. I mean, you know, Clay Clay's death a few years ago left such a gaping hole for so many of us in the Atlanta the creative community and and certainly he was such an important part of that show that um you know it's it was it was quite a big deal and quite a shock to all of us and absolutely yeah yeah wow now uh it was also on uh space coast coast to coast where aqua team in some form was first debuted correct uh yes that's correct um we uh at the time Matt Malero and I were sort of the main writers on Space Ghosts, and I think we were just kind of burned out, and we created this whole episode where Space Ghost doesn't get a word in edgewise. He allows these, he allows the Aqua Teens to be on his set, and they just take as like these very uh, obvious product placements for a restaurant that he was in hock for. Like he couldn't afford to pay for all the hamburgers he bought. So, uh, uh, and the Aquatines just take over, especially Master Shake, just dominate it, dominate the interview with Willie Nelson. Uh, and we love, we love, love, love that script. And, uh, but the network probably recognized that, uh, that there was no Space Ghost in a show called Space Ghost Coast to Coast. So we sort of, uh, put that script in, uh, we we always sort of had it on our shelf, thinking you know these characters are great and we'd love to do something with them. And then when we were told that that the network was contemplating a whole block of shows, we were quick to pitch Aqua Teen as their own as its own thing. And and uh, yeah, to their fault, they let us do it. It's incredible how these things take form. I, I was going to ask, my next next question was, how did you land on a milkshake, fries, and a ball of meat for character? But it kind of sounds like the, the plot of that episode of Space Ghost, Ghost to Coast is what kind of influenced that. Yeah, but not really. We were just thinking of funny names and funny, and honestly, it went as quickly as that. It was like, Matt said Master Shake, and I laughed, and then I pitched Meatwad as just this terrible products that would they'd run out of buns and they were trying to get rid of the meat scraps so they just wadded it together as a wad and they uh and the dipping sauce was like inside of him so it wasn't even like you it wasn't even easy to eat and they they tried to make a tag an ad tagline that would make the flaws of the product actually seem like strengths so the tagline was the bun is in your mind <laughs> and, and, uh, and you know and he was overpriced and he was just like please god please god kill me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and so uh yeah and then and then i think and then matt was like what about frylock and we decided to make him like a wizard yeah i mean that was it was very simple <laughs> and as far as the voice of Meat Wad, you know, it's one of those voices out there that is just very, very unique. And when it comes to trying to replicate, almost impossible. How? Where do? You, where does this voice come from? I think it was a it was a voice that I would do for. I didn't really have designs on it for a cartoon voice or anything. I just this is the kind of voice you'd say if you see like a little cat. Or a little baby, you know, and, yeah. and you know, just be like, "Hello, little baby, how you doing? You doing so girl? I bet you look girl." And, you know, and then the parents would pull the baby away, 
you know, the, like the grown man talking like this to my child. But yeah, the, the network and some other people had sort of maybe commented early on that it was a little hard to understand. And I think it evolved over time. It got, he got way, the stupider he got, the more Southern he got, you know, and sort of give him this little kind of Southern accent. Right. But uh, I found that upon repeated viewings, you could understand him more. I always understood him because I was saying the words, but, you know, I was like, it's that argument about Willie Nelson, like where he sings so softly, you gotta, you almost gotta get on the edge of your seat to listen, if you listen harder. (laughs) So whatever, I think they just got tired of arguing with us and said, yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm glad they did. It's a great voice. It's so great. I, I could listen to it all day. Now, now, Carl, that's that's another voice I've got to ask about. Does this have any uh, backstory to it? Is it? Are you mimicking anyone in particular? Or is it just off the uh, top of your head? You know, I thought I thought the voice would be like, uh, you know, sort of like my uncles up in Long Island. You know, they always like they're always trying to do a hustle. They're always trying to do some sort of deal with somebody like. Uh, uh, yeah, I got my uncle Skip's very, uh, you know, he's always. <laughs> I've just seen him reduce a ticket scalper to tears. <laughs> you, know, like just, you know, like the game has already started. The scalper is already like, come on, man, ten bucks. And my uncle's like, about five. <laughs> he's like, I don't have to give it to you, dude. I can wait until the end of the first period and just pick it out of the trash can. <laughs> you know? so, uh, there's a little bit of my uncle in there. There's also a little bit of um, a little bit of a college roommate I had, Dollar Bill Sorrentino. He he was uh, just Carl's love of the Giants. I think came from that. He was my roommate was from uh, Tom's River, New Jersey, and just we were in college when when the Giants beat uh, the Bills in that tight uh, Super Bowl. It was like 20 to 19. And, uh, you know, I just remember my roommate just always talking about the G-Men. And so it was just very, very funny to add that angle to Carl, like the New York football giants, man. Number one, world champions. <laughs> you know, I love sports. I follow sports, but I also – you know, find that sports talk radio is just this just dead rabbit hole to just nothing. It's like a toilet hole. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no intelligence entering it or escaping it. And uh, it's just funny that Carl would just be a I'm a sports freak. Yeah. <laughs> Killing me, man. Oh, it's so good. Love it. Thank you for that. Uh, we got to touch on Squid Billies, man. Season 12 just premiered August 11th. Congrats on that. 12 seasons. Now the longest running show on Adult Swim, if I'm not mistaken, right? Maybe so. We don't keep uh, track, but I think I think Squids and Aqua Teen have probably about the same amount of episodes somewhere in that neighborhood. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, running, running strong and, and uh feel like the new episodes are as good as any we've made, you know. I mean, it's Jim and I and uh, Jim Fortier and I and uh, Alan Stedman are just sort of cranking it out, you know, what? making more for next season. What I've uh, what I've seen already is cracking me up. Yeah. The first episode, just uh, what was it? Trying to keep the autumn leaves all year round. That was priceless. I love these uh, characters, but I got to ask kind of a similar question as to Aquatine. How did you land on hillbilly squids? We probably it started. I, I think it was a conversation between actually Andy Merrill and Mike Lazo, where they were. They were trying to come up with other show ideas for the network and Squidly Diddly came up and then uh, somehow the word evolved into Squidbillies, which is a very funny title for a show. And I love I love how Adult Swim, you know, sort of Adult Swim has gotten in on on different creators with their show titles. And and I think Adult Swim sort of likes to be very kind of little postmodern with it where it's like you know screw it just tell the viewer what they're going to watch i mean we had a show on the air 
for a while called Fat Guy on the Fat Guy Stuck in Internet. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> you know, because I uh, and um, yeah, so Lasso came to us with Squidbillies. This is a great title now. Let's make a show around it. And um, Jim Fortier and I and uh, a few other other folks in the old guard of um, you know cart- cartoon. It was Mamalero, Matt Harrigan, Pete Smith. We just sat in a room and just beat our heads against the wall trying to figure out what this show was. And enough to the point where we went down a bunch of blind alleys and false turns and finally uh finally i think it was dead at a certain point there just wasn't anything happening with it and i i always i i never felt like it, some of the some ideas got a fair shake and i think we'd already spent enough money and designed some characters that i think mike just kind of cut Jim and I loose on it because, you know, Jim and I were, were have been friends for a long time, even predating working together. And uh, we went to the same high school. We were from Rockdale County, Georgia, Conyers, Georgia. We had a lot of shared experience, experiences that we thought would, would work great in that show. And so I think... I think that's when it sort of became a thing when, when he and I just sort of were able to focus it the way we wanted to some of our experiences growing up and some of our experiences as an adult in, you know, in Georgia, in rural Georgia and, and just funneling those in. I mean, uh, so yeah, yeah. Kind of a very backwards way to come into a show. Yeah. I got the title first, but, um, yeah, it turned out pretty good. Some of the best songs are written that way too, though. You get the title first, and man, uh, it's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I we you know, Rockville County, where we're from, has got a lot of it's a lot of crazy stuff in the water, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I've been watching Mindhunter season two, and they're mentioning they're mentioning our hometown. Uh, not very funny with the Atlanta child murders, but I was you know, I was about you know, about the same age at that same time. And they were talking about a road right down the street from me where, uh, one of the kids, uh, one of the kids was, were found. I was like, God, leave it to Conyers, man. Every, every, it's like everything horrible or weird, uh, you know, in Georgia comes through Conyers at some point or another. So of your squid Billy characters, how many of those are actually based on people that you know, you see on your day to day. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say day to day because you know I'm in the big city, which is a different experience uh, than where I grew up. But um, uh, it's it's uh, it's all sort of based in some some reality. I mean, Granny, you know, I had a grandmother that we called Granny that had a walker, and she wasn't as sexually promiscuous as our granny <laughs> but but there's some inspiration there i mean early kyler uh has there's a lot of inspiration there but there was a bachelor party that jim and i went to many many years ago with this uh, just maniac that uh rented the house out to a friend of ours and then he came up there and just hung out with us the whole bachelor party up to a point where it was kind of like, okay, maybe you should go home, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, with his homemade moonshine and whatever there's, you know, Rusty is, Rusty is, uh, voiced by a mutual f- friend of Jim and mine, uh, Daniel McDivitt, who's a Delta pilot, you know, and he's just a friend of ours that we grew up with that always did a great redneck voice. And so we were like, why don't you play this character instead of these terrible, you know, Hollywood actors that are giving us these bad Forrest Gump, Foghorn, Leghorn <laughs> accents. And, uh, and, and he's, he's turned out to be great, but his character is sort of based on an amalgam of different people that we knew growing up. And, uh, sometimes when he falls out of character, I, I'm, you know, we'll say, look, do, do that thing that you do to get back into character. And it's just this, he does this sort of accent of this guy who 
keeps preparing to say something to you, but he never gets it out. So he's like, hey, man, hey, man, which, uh, hey, man, just here, man. You know, and, and, he's try- and he'll do that in the booth until he finds, finds the voice again. And then he, you know, and then he, he does it. And of course, like, I mean, Sheriff's a little bit more of a, just a, the classic inept lawman. <laughs> but, you know, we lean on, on, you know, we had Elizabeth Cook play Rusty's on again, off again, girlfriend. And, uh, you know, and she was born in, you know, rural Florida. She brings her whole experience to uh, the table. It's a lot of lot of Southern people bringing their own spin to the show. Unknown Henson, you know, does the voice of early. I mean, he's he's crazy. Rockabilly vampire you know, from North Carolina. Who's you know, he's got his own take on the character. Bobby Ellerby does the voice of the sheriff. I mean, he was a Big time classic rock DJ throughout the South for the eighties and nineties, and so you know a lot of interesting people bringing their own take to it. Absolutely, yeah. And you've had quite a few celebrities on there too, right? Like Wee Man and a few others, right? Uh, not yeah, more more with more in the music world because I think uh, we're like a non-union show, so it's tricky. But okay. it's, it's tricky to find somebody that you know, we'll, we'll do it, but we have a new, a new theme every episode. It's the same theme that Jim and I wrote, but it's recorded by a different artist each episode. You know, this season we had John Hyatt, we had, uh, Preservation Hall Jazz Society, we had, uh, um, the Hold Steady, um, so, you know, and we've had huge people do it in the past. George freaking Jones, you know, uh, Jason Isbell, you know, you know just um, and I, I think that's a way that's that's more of a way for crappy musicians like me and Jim to sort of do our little rock fantasy camp by getting that higher bands to do our song. And and uh, and as a way to sort of, you know, trade it up and make people aware of the show and. Yeah, a lot with that way. Right now, Joe Walsh is our holy grail. Oh, wow. I, ju- I saw him last year. Open for Tom oh, really? Petty, actually. Yeah, he opened for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, here in oh, Columbus. Okay. Oh, that's been two this. years ago now. That's been two years ago. Holy cow. I can't believe he's been gone. Yeah, was, how did Tom Petty look on stage just last year? Holy crap. Uh, he was looking rough, man. He was looking rough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, was still he, a good he show. Went with, he went on tour with a broken hip, right? I mean, he was... Yeah. He was completely just popping painkillers to just get through it. He was. I so, took a lot of video from that show, and then after hearing that after his death, I went back and looked at it, and damn, you could totally tell in those videos he was nursing <laughs> that hip. And I feel bad, but damn, dude, slow down. Slow down. Yeah. Know? Well, yeah, he's oh, – I, I, I regret – I tried to get tickets to that tour, and I bought – I bought them, and then I found out they were in the show was in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I had to sell them. Yeah, it's a little far. Yeah, yeah. Well, not my intention. So now so you mentioned George Jones already, but uh, Adult Swim sent us a soundtrack. What was it called again? I can't even remember the Double Platinum uh, Squidbilly soundtrack or something like that. I it can't looked remember. sweet. Had Shooter Jennings, like William Shatner on it, Todd Rundgren, just to name a few that were either covering the song or um, just doing their own song. And I, I took some clips of it and put it on Instagram, but it was so freaking awesome. Have you guys put other soundtracks out, or is this the first? We put out uh, we put out a soundtrack. The, the the deals that we've done, we didn't we didn't do it in a way that we could sell the songs. It'd probably be a lot more expensive. So. Um, so this soundtrack was more just a fan giveaway type of thing. Uh, there's a very limited number of pressings on that thing, so it'll be worth something at some point. We, we did release an album. Um, we, we just put the link up on the internet. It's probably still up there. Um, but hell, I don't, I couldn't tell you under what thing. Um, but, but yeah, we got, you know, Steve Earls on that thing. I mean... There's there's a nut. We've worked with so many great, great, great musicians that it's uh, 
It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Steve it's crazy. Rural, Alabama Shakes. Who else we have? T-Pain, B-52s, uh, Sean Coleman. Just goes on. It just goes on. What a great soundtrack, which is officially called Squidbilly's Double Platinum Gold. I butchered the title earlier. That's the official title. One medal better than the Leonard Skinner album. <laughs> love it love it i will confess i was looking on wikipedia and i saw that you were <laughs> i don't think we have to confess <laughs> yeah, this fair point, Randy. <laughs> um i saw that you were attached to a potential howard the duck tv show is that right that is correct that's all i can say about it though fair enough i'm excited for that well i think this probably all the questions i have but i like to end these kind of uh, interviews with people like yourself just asking what advice would you give to somebody who is seeking the same or similar career as yourself? Keep creating. When I was coming up, I think there was a barrier that I was trying to get over that many people that eventually work in our field had to figure out a way to get over, which was just, you know, the equipment was expensive to to. You didn't have like a, a $200 camera in your pocket that was better than you know, that you could shoot a, a movie on. You didn't have, you, you would have to get a large company to distribute your stuff or get in a festival. You, you couldn't just upload it on the internet. Um, so in, so in all respects, the barrier to participation in a creative endeavor, uh, the barrier is very low. So I would say, I mean, you got to get paid and you got to make make a living at it. Decide your priorities. I don't know, guys. This is a longer conversation, but I do, I do think like like you you have to you make your living creatively. You can never take that for granted. I always feel like artists and and people that make their living in a creative field have to be willing to bust their ass to work harder because. Because the the opportunity to, to make a living creatively is just so great that you know it's worth it. So you got you got to be willing to work hard for it. If you're not willing to work hard for it, don't just don't even do it and get good at your craft. And the only way to do that is to just keep making stuff. And fortunately, you're in an era where you have all the tools. They're very affordable, and you could just build a YouTube channel if you want. And people will eventually find you if you're good, but it takes takes a while. And you know, I've made a lot of I've made a lot of stuff. I'm not as proud of. There's some stuff sucks, and you just gotta you gotta do it until you can get you know halfway decent at it. So mm-hmm. I don't know, just keep it at the grindstone, I guess. That's awesome. Good advice. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us, man. Yeah, no sweat, man. All right, everyone. And there you have it, our interview with Mr. Dave Willis of uh, Adult Swim fame. Man, all the great things he's created. It was awesome to talk with him. Yeah, we're laughing pretty good there at the end. Yeah, yeah. He's cracking <laughs> us up, isn't he? Cracking us up the whole time. Uh, but a lot of fun to talk to him. So big thanks to him for uh, taking a few minutes to talk with us. And again, don't forget to check out Squidbillies. Uh, season 12 is on Adult Swim at midnight on Sundays. Uh, set the DVRs, and if you don't have a DVR, well, damn it, make it happen. Do something. Don't <laughs> Drink miss some it. caffeine. Yeah, you can find Dave on Twitter at Dave Willis too, and I'm sure he's probably on Facebook. Who uh, isn't? Yeah. All right, and with that, Randy, what do we have on the website? Check out the website, see our past guests, uh, look at some merch, uh, listen to past episodes. Uh, if you're a comic creator want to be a guest on the show, uh, send us an email. John. There you go. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air, where you can put a visual with what you're hearing. That's typically where I like to throw um, any images or videos of stuff we've talked about or stuff we're doing, which bleeds its way over to Facebook. So either of those mediums, you're you're covered. You're covered. Um, And if you can't get enough of uh, animals talking, check out What If. I believe you guys did an episode about what if animals could talk there towards the beginning. You're right. That was the very first one we did. What yep. if animals could talk? Yep. And man, what a um, wow! That was an impactful episode. <laughs> like typically with episode ones, like you don't get much. Like you have to build up to that episode. Like kind of left us like 
somber, like how sad an animal's life kind of is when you yeah. stop and think about it. Glowing testimonial, right? <laughs> but check us out at uh, whatifpod.com or if you just search Canned Air Productions in any of your podcast player of choice, uh, both this and that show will pop up. But yeah, like Randy said, you know, that episode we talked about what if animals can talk and in other episodes we've done what if we could control the weather or... I don't know. What if people could fly? What, what if, if the, Bigfoot was real? What if Bigfoot was real? We just uh, recorded and haven't even released yet. The next oh. one that's probably going to be coming out is um, what if the life expectancy of uh, human beings was between the ages of 20 and 30? Oh, geez. Now, that was a good episode. That was a conversation we thought would just entertain, but ended up like, man, we went down a foxhole of thought so deep. We were like, wow, everything would be dramatically different, you know? That's crazy. But uh, yeah, check it out again, whatifpod.com. And uh, I think that's going to do it for yeah. this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Just you were grounded. My parents are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where you gotta go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. <laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candair podcast. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Um, uh, I, um. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.